1: Hi there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's the show that talks about how people connect with each other and to their own genuine selves. And today, we're going to meet the Kinky Coach. Stephanie Sigler is a sex therapist and licensed mental health professional. She holds her master's in clinical mental health and specializes in alternative relationships, She's currently in her PhD program as a sexologist and will be graduating next year. She's also an educator and writer for ASN Magazine and is currently working on her new book, Fight Journal. She and her partner Fox are licensed skydivers, avid motorcyclists, and love seeking adventure outdoors when not helping others navigate and negotiate the lifestyles, or helping with couples and singles. Time now to take our own adventure with a kinky coach on what women and other wonderful humans want.
0: It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five.
1: And it is time for the first five, five questions about firsts for the kinky coach, Stephanie Sigler. First time you ever felt like you were a little bit different?
2: Oh, that happened. Oh, middle school, eighth grade. I was different in the ways that I liked. I really liked boys and girls and I didn't know how to express that. And I didn't have a, a venue to express that or the language because it wasn't accepted to where I was from. So I knew I was different then.
1: First time you heard the term kink and what you thought it was.
2: Being from Texas, when someone said kink, I thought it was a kink in like some horse reins, to be completely honest with you, (laughs) until I got older, until I got in my, well, in my 20s, and then I really figured out what it was.
1: First time you ever knew you made an incredible difference in somebody's life, through therapy?
2: Wow. When they didn't follow through and complete suicide, they were really struggling. And they told me that the only reason why they lived that night was because I answered my phone. And I don't know many therapists who would have answered their phone at that late at night, but it just something told me to answer it. So I did.
1: That's very beautiful. First time someone admitted kink in a session and their reaction to it.
2: Oh, isn't everybody a little kinky? Especially in my world. Um, I think, I don't think that it was not necessarily their They didn't say the word kink, but they were mm-hmm. describing kinky scenarios. And when I put the word to it, it opened up a whole new universe to them. And they were like, wow, what is this? And so we started exploring fet life and kink and different different language and different, um, different styles. And so that was pretty awesome, watching them grow into their own little kinky selves.
1: And the famous fifth question for many of our guests, first time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic and your reaction to it?
2: Oh man, I got that in high school. And I think my reaction is, wow, that's small. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: yeah.
1: That definitely works.
0: (laughs) Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. Hello, I'm Jessie Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast. Anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want.
1: It is simply the most powerful episode we've ever done.
2: When when I had the death of the ego and I really, well, I walked away from what a, being a kink educator or a dominatrix means to my ego or what being a singer um, or someone who booked educators or cover bands for so many years, what does that say about me? That's just things I've done. It's not who I am. You know, and the important thing is that we help others and that we be of service. So if someone's listening to this show and they're feeling maybe badly about a job they have or a direction they've
1: taken, there's no mistakes. The artist formerly known as Hutsey Hahn, Hutsey Brook, June 8th, on what women and other wonderful humans want.
0: Welcome back to what women and other wonderful humans want presented by Dating Kinky. Here again is our host, John, or as we know him. Hi there, catsuit.
1: Stephanie Sigler is the kinky coach. And what is a kinky coach?
2: A kinky coach, well, I am a sex therapist. I'm licensed in the state of Texas, but in order for me to be able to work with people outside of the state of Texas, we have the kinky coach business. And the kinky coach allows us to work with anybody who is in an alternative relationship, who is kinky, who just is, my term is just anybody who's not vanilla. And we work with them all. We help you navigate the lifestyle. We help you figure out your sexuality, overcome your own um, inner, lies that we tell ourselves, our inner biases, and help us just navigate this world and let you live authentically.
1: What is the number one misconception people have about themselves when it comes to wanting therapy as far as kink is concerned?
2: They're all alone, that there's no one else in the world like them, and they're struggling, and so they don't ever, it's so funny when people will come in, they'll tell you just a little bit, it's like the tip of the iceberg, and By the end of it, we were just digging away at that ice and finally it'll all come out. And I'm, I'm like, oh, that's it. That really that. Okay. And they're like, wow, you've heard worse or you've heard different. And I'm like, you're normal. This is, this is not abnormal. You are just experiencing something that's fun for you. There's no shame in that. And so having them just accept themselves and understand that they are normal is just the huge, it's a huge relief for them.
1: So what is a definition of normal?
2: There's not one.
1: <laughs>
2: normal is whatever you are. There's no definition of normal. Everybody's mm-hmm. normal in their own way. So people come in and they want they, their brains want to connect, and they want to connect with what they see in society and connect it to what they're doing. And when there's not that connection, it's, it's hard for them to understand that it's okay. Whatever you like is okay we can navigate through it. My concerns is that you're navigating through it safely and that you're being smart and you're not putting yourself in situations that's going to get you hurt.
1: What is the most interesting scenario you have heard with somebody coming in and saying, I'm not exactly sure what's going on here, but I know that something different is going on and something turns me on. Why is that?
2: Let's see. Well, there's all sorts of fetishes. Um, For some reason, I don't know why a foot fetish keeps coming to mind. So I'm just going to play with that. Uh, People who come in and they're attracted to feet and they don't understand why. Why does a foot turn me on? And that is a fetish is something that's inbred or not inbred. Wow, that's terrible word to say. (laughs) (laughs) is, Is born into you when you first have your sexual experience. So a foot could have been involved in something that turned you on, I guess. Okay. I'm going to go with one ants. So um, there is a, a client who can only, he really enjoys being bitten by ants. And Mm -hmm. so it turns him on for ants to crawl on him and bite him. And that's how he ejaculates. But that goes back to, he had his first erection and while he was, you know, fumbling around, fell on an ant pile, and that became his erotic fetish.
1: I totally understand that, although in Texas, ants are really nasty, yes, and I would not want to fall into an ant pile in that particular case, but the reason, Stephanie, I I know it makes sense is because you and I have discussed this. That's pretty much what happened to me, not the ant part, the... (laughs) being aroused for the first time for a reason that you don't know how traumatizing can that be to a person when you just don't know that this is what a fetish is until you actually find out what it is
2: I don't know if it's traumatizing to them in that moment what's traumatizing is the way people react to it
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and when you tell somebody oh well you know, I, I get turned on by ants biting me and their immediate reaction is what the hell's wrong with you? Well, now you have stigmatized it and I feel shame for something that I thought was completely okay. So, and it's the way that people that we love and are close to us and we respect react to our fetishes that causes us to have so much shame around it.
1: I want to investigate that a little more, talk talk about shame. And obviously it is such an amazing topic that goes around these days. I mean, Texas's own Brene Brown talks about it so very Mm -hmm. often about shame and vulnerability. How scary is it to admit fetishes to a partner? What are some of the stories that you've heard, some of the good stories, but also some of the horror stories of their reactions?
2: Yeah, there have been, there's so many out there. I think it's when you first have a fetish and you first tell a partner, it's how that partner reacts to it. And let's say they reject you. So now we have this rejection and the shame and we take it into our new relationship. And we're secretive about that fetish because, well, we don't want to be rejected because our last partner or last partners rejected everything about it, told us we were weird, told us we were sick, we had issues. And now we found this new partner and we're just experiencing all this doubt and all of this self-consciousness. And you don't want to ruin the relationship because it's going really good, Mm -hmm. but there's that secret you're hiding. And people will come in. I have lots of couples who come in And we have to open up that secret and we have to share that secret in a safe environment. It can go one of two ways. They're either going to be accepted or they're either going to be rejected. And either way it's fine if it's done in a respectful manner and if it's done in a safe environment. So I love it when they come in and they're like, I really want to talk to them about this fetish or, you know, I'm really into, I've, I've been watching these people get tied up with ropes and it's really turning me on, but my partner's claustrophobic and, how can we work through that? Or should I even tell her, am I you know, am I just barking up the wrong tree? So it just really has to, as a professional and as a person coming to counseling, it's a dance. We have to find that perfect dance to make everybody in the room comfortable and make everybody in the room feel safe in order for us to open up and be accepting.
1: So when you talk about that particular dance and you get to the point where the unknowing member of the couple says stop the music Mm -hmm. I can't deal with this what's the next step because I'm guessing it's not trying to convince them that they're wrong but trying to open up their eyes to see something different
2: I want to know what about it is making them stop and what about what about that activity or what about that fetish is making them have reservations and I kind of call it the ick factor what is that it you know that oh god what's causing you to do that and sometimes it's deeply rooted trauma sometimes it's just society the way they were raised sometimes they don't even think that that's possible they, they can't wrap their head around it. And so it takes a little time for them to digest and realize that it's okay, fetishes are normal and whatever we have, we can work around it. So the partner may not be into, I'm just gonna continue with rope play. They may not be into rope play, that's fine. But there may be some elements that turn them on. And so we can't go full on hanging somebody from a tree in those beautiful rope designs, but we can do a little bit of rope play with the partner and they get satisfied by that. So we're finding a happy alternative for both of them.
1: Has there ever been a client that has come to you and wants to be accepted or wants to be accepting towards a fetish? Can't quite get there, but you've been able to explain the psychology about it to the point where they may have gotten it. And I'm going to frame it in the reference of, I didn't understand heavy masochism until somebody explained it to me. Mm -hmm. And it went from being what I saw as abuse to being something that a person desires, needs and wants.
2: That is the beauty of what I get to do when it comes to the education aspect of it. I know it's like beating a, a dead horse, but just being open and not giving that ick factor myself. So when they tell me that and a partner's in there and like, I, I don't, how can you sit here and listen to this? Or how can you even think that this is okay? Well, let's, let's, let's re-examine why they're into this. And we do some different work about, we go deep. We go, where does it come from? Where does it start? And then on the partner side, where does your ick factor come from? And through that process, with each of them listening to each other and getting a deeper understanding of what's going on in their heads, hopefully, this is if I'm doing everything correctly and they're doing their work, hopefully they come to a mutual understanding that it's, it's okay as long as we're being safe about it and nobody is being put in a situation that they're not comfortable in, period. Consent is always there. And so, yes, there are many times that once you get that education factor and they figure out where it stems from and that it's not something that's the, you know, my goodness, pedophilia is, that's what, you know, mm-hmm. is he a pedophile? or is she a pedophile? Once they realize that it has nothing to do with any of that, it's just something that they crave and desire sexually. Then they begin to open up to it a little bit more.
1: Fifty Shades may have been the thing that put kink on the map. It's also the thing that created probably more misconceptions than anything else. And you brought up the word consent. Yes. And I'm sure, especially since I say always remember consent at the <laughs> at the end yeah. of every single one of these episodes, consent is so important, but I'm guessing it's not something that is easily defined by the partners that don't understand. What do you mean he's asking for permission? Or what do you mean I need permission? This Mm -hmm. is my partner. I should be able to do whatever I want to with them or not do whatever I want to with them. I would just think that consent would be a really difficult term for the non-understanding partners to not only understand, but believe.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's one of the things I love about alternative relationships. And I try to bring that into my vanilla relationships when I'm working with vanilla couples is their communication and their openness to consent. Just because I'm married doesn't mean that my husband has free reign and right to my vagina whenever he wants it. Just because I'm, you know, in this committed relationship doesn't mean that I have to give you sex whenever you come in and say, drop your underwear. It's, that type of thing i can say no but there's a whole mindset and a whole generation of people that feel like they are unable to say no and they're unable to say well can we consent can we do this instead they just feel like they're in that relationship so they're bound to do it and the consent you can say no mid-swing you can say no in the middle of anything, before, after, during, it doesn't matter. You have that right to say no. And people are blown away by that.
1: It is an interesting concept, especially if you haven't been following it for so long. And mm-hmm. there are some people back in the old school who go, consent, I don't need that. You know, we've been doing it this way since we had snowshoes going uphill both ways. and. Yes. <laughs>
2: And that's Which I can now physically say that I know that that is possible because Texas just froze over a couple of weeks ago and damn it, there was snow. There was ice, snow, everything, everywhere. It was terrible. So yeah, I know what my grandparents were talking about then.
1: <laughs> you have the absolute beauty of being able to work with your husband in this therapy business and in this kinky coaching business. Mm-hmm. Are there times when you will sit together and talk to people to give them an example of it absolutely can work?
2: We do. Now, he is a coach, Um, he's not a therapist. And so I will bring him in to couples. And when the dynamic is there's just one of them is just not getting it, one of them can't see the big picture, or they just some there's a disconnect somewhere in there. And so I'll bring him in and What we do is kind of model the behavior and we model the the conversation and what it would look like if it was working in a functioning, healthy relationship. Now, there are times that people still don't get it and that's fine. And there are times that people walk away going, wow, I never thought about a relationship. Our dynamics could be that way. People are so fixated on this is the way it has to be because this is the way it's been for so many years. And they don't see past your relationship is your relationship. You can it can look any way you want it to look. There's no there's no limitations as long as you are happy and safe in this consensual.
1: Are we hitting a renaissance period at this point where what kinky people do? I almost said what we do, but <laughs> what kinky people, what people who are in polyamorous relationships, non-traditional relationships, are we hitting a Renaissance to the point where it's starting to become acceptable and there is a light at the end of the tunnel, or is it always going to be a series of fits and starts?
2: I hope we're coming to that. But traditionally it's always a bunch of starts and stops and, People are accepting of some things and not of the other, but I'm really excited about, the one thing I'm excited about with the millennial generation is their openness to love and their openness to alternative relationships and polyamory and kink and just being so vocal and so open about it. We have movies about it, we have TV shows about it and it's just becoming our new normal. We're always going to have people who fight it because it's not something that they believe in and that's fine. You don't have to believe in it. You don't have to participate in it. But those of us who do, we're happy. We're healthy and we're in great relationships. And our children are coming, they're, they're, they're being raised to be humans that are contributing to society and wonderful people too. So it's not, we're not damaging the next generation. We're not damaging the society. We're not damaging the world. We're actually making it a happier place.
1: I know that in COVID, it's difficult to get people together, but when you can, you do some amazing things like retreats to Mm -hmm. bring people together. Tell me what one of those looks like.
2: Sure. I love to do reconnection retreats. One of the things that we, and I, I keep saying we, one of the things that people in alternative relationships often fall victim to is not reconnecting with their partner, their primary partner. Now, if you're in a polycule, you may not have a primary partner and there may not be any hierarchy and that's fine. And I have polycules that come as well. But when we're playing with other people, sometimes we forget to reconnect with just our partner and find that whole, that whole self again of why we fell in love with them. And so at the retreats, we do that. We talk about connection. We talk about um, fighting fair. We talk about our communication styles and I put them in a, in a lot of situations that, make them have to work together as a team. Like they, one, one time they went on a scavenger hunt and one time they're going to, they, they blow glass ornaments together. And so they go skydiving together if they want to, they get couples massages. So there's, it's an adventure on top of all of the tools and knowledge and they leave with all of these new skills. But while they're there, I encourage them to be just with their their partners that they came with. I don't incur, I don't want them to play with anybody while they're there. I want them to reconnect with their people and really fall in love with each other again.
1: And that's so important, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, because you have to be friends first, because, and I think Nookie Notes put it as the 80-20 rule. 20% of your life is about the pleasure and the fantasy and seeking that. of it is living life. Yep. So you talked about the scavenger hunt Mm -hmm. and that seems rather interesting. What is the most intimate thing that you do as far as an activity when it comes to the relationship tune-ups?
2: Oh, we do the Tantra workshops
1: Mm -hmm. and
2: it's, and, and, and a lot of sensate focus. I, I, I like the sensate focus. I liked where we're feeling the bodies, we're reconnecting. And sensate focus starts where there's absolutely no sensual sexual contact. It's just feeling your partner. You can kiss them, you can touch them, and no, and you don't touch any of the their private parts, no mm-hmm. genitalia. It's just their arms, their legs, their neck, and you're just reconnecting and you just feel them. And then you switch. And then uh, we'll go back to another part. And the next part, you get to touch the genitalia if you want to, Um, nothing too graphic because we're in a group together, but you're in your own little little world over there as you're just kind of reconnecting and feeling your partner. And so sometimes the sensate focus gets very sexy. And then you know after that activity, we tend to take about a two hour break because it does get a little erotic when you start Mm -hmm. touching places that really, turn you on and and it can be any place it can be someone's elbow for all we know we don't know what turns them on and so we like to give the couples a break after that to go take care of whatever they need to take care of and we come back and we refocus and get back started on our activities but that's the most sensual part
1: you talk about the touch and how important it is and touch in itself is communications Mm. and i would say And this may be the get off my lawn statement, but I would say that much of society has lost the ability to communicate effectively. We look at our phones, we send messages with our phones or emails. Very rarely do we pick up the phone and maybe if COVID has done one thing right, it actually has us looking at each other when we talk through a Zoom. Yeah. Has the art of communicating with touch become something that has been lost of late and has to be reconnected, so to speak? Absolutely.
2: I can't tell you how many people I work with who've just not touched in years. They'll have sex, but there's no, it's just a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am type thing. And there's no connection. There's no touching I do feel like we live in a society where it's, it's the instant gratification. You want to go on a date, get on Tinder. You want food, call Uber Eats. It'll be delivered to you. You want to watch a show? Great. Order it on Netflix or turn on Netflix. There's no waiting. There, It's just instant, instant, instant. Anything we want, we can have it immediately. But what you cannot have immediately is the connection between people. That has to grow organically. You can't force that. You cannot make it happen unless you are putting in the time and effort. And if we're on our phones and we're not paying attention to those around us, we're not putting in that time and effort. So yeah, touch has definitely fallen by the wayside when it comes to just our society today and, and connecting with people.
1: And that will bring us somewhat full circle back to kink. Mm -hmm. Kink takes time. Kink is not, instant gratification. Kink takes the exploration of people's bodies, even if it's impact, it's the different places that the impact hits. When it's sensual, it's the different touching. And that all brings the mind to a central place. So the obvious question is, can kink help vanilla couples?
2: yes with a capital y yes 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 it can help so much and the reason why it can help is because well who doesn't want to add a little bit of more more spice to their vanilla world everybody needs to spice it up a little and we're not i'm not asking you to go to a dungeon or to a munch or to do any of that i'm just asking you to maybe add some little little spanking get a little crop and just kind of Play with the sensations. Maybe get some um, candles and play with the candle wax, which candle wax is made for this. Please don't just grab your your candles off of your shelf and start pouring them on each other. That will hurt. <laughs> but candles that are made for wax play And there's different things that you can do. Ice. Um, for the record, I just feel like I need to say this. Please do not put pop rocks in your vagina. That is not <laughs> the- that... just need to go ahead and say that. Pop rocks do not go in your vagina, people. Okay. But ice can and (laughs) sensational things (laughs) can definitely heighten your vanilla sex. A different position, all of that.
1: I have to write down pop rocks do not go in your vagina. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) Yeah. I take it you've heard of this.
2: I have heard of this and it causes some discomfort. Um, It causes your natural chemistry of your vagina to imbalance and you're going to have some discomfort and possibly some lingering effects that might require some medication if you're not careful.
1: If I do a promo for this episode, it (laughs) will be called Pop Rocks Do Not Go in Your Vagina. Yes, I love it. Temperature play is fun with the heat and the cold, especially. And I don't know where I'm going with that. So again, curveball, outside, ball two.
2: (laughs) Perfect. Temperature play is a lot of fun. And people don't think of that. People don't think about, you know, the different heat, even just a warm, the um, not so hot, but maybe a little bit hot, kind of warm maybe really cold, maybe just lukewarm, all of those different sensations are going to to energize and it's going to really hit your nerve, your nerve endings, your skin in different places and cause different erotic feelings and you just have to let it go and see what feels good to you.
1: Speaking of nerve endings, I know that as more and more people get vaccinated, more and more people will have the opportunity to finally feel like they can be close with others. What is the one thing that we all have to remember to avoid frenzy? Or do we just say, it's time to do as much as we possibly can in as little time as we can, because I'm worried that when everything is over or as it gradually gets over, people are going to be so starved for everything that it could get out of hand and just being able to acknowledge that might not be a bad idea.
2: I agree it could. People have been isolated for so long we're not we're social creatures we are not meant to be isolated this long. However, I feel like there's still going to be that level of fear and I don't think it's going to be a free-for-all. People can prove me wrong I am I mean I'm just gonna go with the flow but if there if you are going around people, big groups again for the first time remember that not everybody wants to be hugged not everybody wants to be groped not everybody wants to be touched and we are so starved for that that touch that human connection just holding hands that sometimes we have to hold ourselves back and that's a good place to ask for consent do you mind if I give you a hug um do you mind if I you know if you're in a a place where you can smack someone on the ass do you mind if I smack you on the ass just don't take initiative and do it we have to ask for consent and I think consent is going to be bigger now than ever because people might not be comfortable. They may be comfortable being around you, but they may not be comfortable touching you yet. And that's okay.
0: Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel edge play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon and paperback or for your Kindle And be sure to check out my episode with Tara-Indiana right here on what women and other wonderful humans want. Thank you.
1: Realizing that you're a polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites, and how to make a profile that works. Real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should. Dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Do you want
0: to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W Hotline at 513 788 2527. That's 513 788 2527. Or drop us an email at john, J O N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J O N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you!
1: Stephanie Sigler is the kinky coach and actually writes for ASN magazine on a very regular basis. And tell us about what it's like to write for that phenomenal magazine, which I've had a chance to be a part of as well.
2: Yes, I absolutely love it. I do a monthly column in there. Um, The March issue just came out and it's all about anal play. I try to think of subjects that everybody wants to know a little bit more about, but I, I approach it from a therapeutic approach. I don't Everything I do is research-based and there's just, it's just heavy with facts. So it's not, there are some opinions thrown in. Let's just face it, come on, it's me. But I try to keep it as research-based as possible and expand your mind in a way that maybe you haven't expanded before. And let, make you think about things in a different way and try to turn you on all at the same time. It's very complicated.
1: ASN is a lifestyle magazine, and when you say lifestyle, it seems to go towards a swinging lifestyle, and we have had Corlin Jewell on the program uh, recently talking about swinging lifestyles. You and your hubby seem comfortable being in those areas. What brought you to that, if I may ask?
2: Sure. Um, what brought me into it fully and made me fully understand what it was, was, was him. He's the one who he's been in it for years. He's that's been his lifestyle forever. Previously, I had been sleeping with couples. I didn't know what a unicorn was. I didn't have any of the foundational knowledge, the language. I just knew what I was doing and I knew that I liked it. It was fun. And so when he came along, he really talked to me a little bit more about it. Then I fell in love with it. And I I just started researching it completely into alternative relationships, getting all the knowledge that I could and decided that that was what I wanted to specialize in as well as live the life of.
1: So what is the key to staying together when there are so many different possibilities? And I'm guessing it just surrounds love, but what is the extra work that it takes? Because I'm guessing there's extra work involved.
2: Absolutely. So much extra work. The way that Okay. I'm just going to say the way that he explained it to me best is I get to see behind the curtain and I get to see the real person. I get to go to bed with that real person. I struggle with that real person. We cry together. We laugh together. We do life together. The other people are just enhancements to our relationship. The people that we get to have fun with and we play with, and we may go on vacation with, or just talk to and flirt with those are enhancements. And for us, We do it together. Everything we do is together. We don't do anything outside of our relationship. We have the three-way chats, four-way chats. We know what's going on in every aspect of it. Not because we want to be control freaks, but because it turns us on to see other people flirting with our our partners. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing that keeps us grounded is we've put in the work to build our relationship. We've put in the hard, hard work. And people get to see the front. They get to see what we want them to see. When we go to parties or we go play with people, or we go to events, they get to see the pretty made up us, but they don't get to see what's behind that curtain. And I think that's what keeps the couples together is because it's that bind that they've, that they've created throughout their, I almost said their career, throughout their lifetime together.
1: And it goes back to the 80-20 rule. Mm-hmm. It's about the 20% when the 80% is what really counts.
2: Exactly that 80% is, is life. That 80% is, it's real. It's raw. It's rough. It's, it's miserable. It's holding your hair when you're throwing up, it's holding you when you're crying. It's all of that ugly stuff that goes into a relationship.
1: I've never asked this because I haven't had the people to ask about this. What happens when kink and swinging comes together? Ooh,
2: it is a slapping mess. Let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) always laughing fun so much you don't ever know what's going to happen there are some really great parties where people make dungeons in their houses and they have all of the fun toys and the crosses and the Oh man it is amazing and you get to play with whoever you want to play with and it's it's all about consent baby and it's all about whatever you want you get whatever you want in that moment and someone is in there ready to give it to you and so it is so amazing Uh,
1: do you do the wristband things that so many other dungeons do like i'm a top i'm a bottom i'm a sub i'm a dom
2: i haven't seen that in our in in our world as much as i guess then i have seen it to where people are like well you know we're full swap we're soft swap um, we're just, you know, warriors, we want to watch. And so sometimes if you go to really big parties and really big events, they have those wristbands that signify those colors. I mean, those preferences, mm-hmm. but I, so I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it equals up. It just means different things.
1: I'm just going to play voyeur here and ask what is the wildest combination of kink and swing you've been a witness to and can describe?
2: Oh, wow like now you're gonna make me think oh I okay so it was an event and there was a um a dom there who was giving just um demonstrations to us vanilla swingers is what Mm -hmm. I call myself when it comes to kink because I'm, I'm I'm learning to be kinky I like it I just don't quite know how to get in there yet Okay, And I'm learning. I don't know what I like yet. Just got to try it all to find something. And I think they got one person that refused. Like BDSM kink was not something that they were going to participate in. Never. And this this Dom, sweet talk to this beautiful woman out of her clothes onto his little table. And he had that, I don't know what it is, but it shocks you. And it like. A violent
1: wand. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. And she was so nervous and so scared. I have never seen someone have the strongest orgasm because of that thing. And I, it turned me on watching her have an orgasm turned me on because that one thing. And I was, I looked at my husband and I was like, we need one of those. I don't know what it is, but I want one. We haven't got one yet, but we I want one. And I think that that was, I mean, and I don't, I don't really go to many wild, wild kink parties yet. I'm, I'm, I'm open to them. But I think just the beauty of her overcoming that fear and her overcoming her being uncomfortable and just fully giving into it was
1: so beautiful to watch. And you talk about overcoming fear. Mm -hmm. And that seems to be the constant theme throughout this entire conversation. Yeah. What do we have to be afraid of? I guess judgment would be one thing. But if you're in that sort of scenario and in that kind of party, everybody else is in that same situation. So why should you worry about feeling judged? But I'm guessing that's a big part of what you deal with in the therapy every day.
2: Absolutely. Body image, uh, being being judged, being shamed, people feeling like they're different, like they don't fit in anywhere and just normalizing that for them and letting them know that you're okay. You are fine. You are beautiful. You are accepted. And if you don't like something about yourself, let's change it. If we can within limits, if you don't like the way you look, if you're, if you're overweight and you want to lose weight, what can we do to get you to where you feel comfortable naked? Maybe it's a mental thing. Maybe it's a physical thing. We're going to just work on all of the aspects to make our clients feel like they are 100% ready to do whatever comes their way. I don't want them to get into a situation and be hesitant because they feel shameful or they feel insecure. I want them to go into a party and rock that party and know that they're the most badass person there because they've worked on themselves and that's what they're there to do.
1: I'm looking on your website and see all the different things, and one of them is talking about dating. Mm-hmm. Do you have clients that come to you and say, okay, I'm ready to enter this lifestyle, whether it be swinging or kink? How do I present myself in the best way possible? Basically, going back to the original purpose of the show of how people connect with each other every day. Mm-hmm. What are the good things that people can do to grab the right attention? And what are some of the things that people can do that just will absolutely send the wrong message?
2: So are we talking about dating a couple or are we talking about singles dating couples?
1: Let's start Mm -hmm. singles first and then we'll talk about the other kind of dating.
2: So for singles in my world, if you want a single person, a single male or a single female wants to come in and date myself or my husband. You have to remember that you are a gift to us. There's, it's not about trying to replace me or him. It's about adding to our relationship. And there has to be an element of respect. There has to be a huge element of respect because you're not coming in to take over. You're coming in to join. And I think so many people get it in their heads that they're going to be replaced or someone's coming there to take over that they lose the whole the whole view of it's supposed to be just an enhancement. It's supposed to be a gift. And so the singles coming in, you have to ask the questions. What do you like? What are you comfortable with? What don't you like? And and talk to both partners if you're coming into a a coupled situation. What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? And those conversations can be very uncomfortable and that's okay. Because as soon as you get those uncomfortable conversations out of the way, then we can start playing and then we can start having all the fun we want to have within our boundaries and within our limits. But you're not there to push boundaries. You're there to stay within, stay within your lines and, and provide that gift to the couple.
1: Now for couples looking for couples. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. That's the hard one. You're having to deal with four people trying to get along, four different personalities, four different sexual tastes, four different erotic preferences, all coming together. And you're just trying to make it work and just have a little fun in your life. One thing that I caution everybody on is you're not going to get along with everybody and that's okay. They may look great on paper and you go on a date and you don't mesh and that's okay too. We're really big on, we don't play on the first date. We like to get to know you. We like to, why are you here? What are your interests? What do you do for a living? You know, just get to know you as a person and understand that your relationship is very important to you, but it's also important to us because we want to enhance your relationship, not take away from it. I think so many people get caught up in the fact that, well, I'm attracted to the man, but, you know, my husband doesn't like the wife, so he's going to take one for the team. No, we don't take one for the team ever. Guys, we are in this together. If one partner says no, then it's a no. And that's another huge thing we have to overcome is, or what we work through is one partner said, no, I'm not, I don't want that. And then the other partner's butthurt and we have to, you know, what, what are you hurt about? What made you feel rejected? Da da da, da, da. And all of that hard work goes into, and it could just boil down to, well, their breath stock. I don't know. Mm. And You know, it's just so many complicating factors that go into this. And if you are rejected, meaning a couple doesn't want to sleep with you, that's okay too. There are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of couples out there that will be exactly what you're looking for and give you exactly what you want. You do not have to settle. And I think that that's a huge factor that people feel like they have to just jump in the bed with whomever and you don't, you have a choice in this.
1: My comic side goes <laughs> to out. the IT version of what Tinder for swingers would be like. And would you have to do two swipes right? <laughs> or if it, it's one swipe left, one swipe. No, that doesn't work. <laughs>
2: yeah. We have lots of websites for for swingers and for couples. Double Date Nation is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, there's the Cassidy's. Or there is Cassidy. I shouldn't say it'd be Cassidy's. Um, there's all kinds of fun things, and you get to do it as a couple. You get to to search for what you both want.
1: I think that's great. And I I was just imagining just the fun of trying yeah. to figure out how to navigate through it. Being a single person who has not even thought of experiencing that, and I don't think I'm going to be involved in a couple situation anytime soon. So I'm just going never to live never. vicariously through you all.
2: Never say never. You might be the gift that one couple is looking for. You never know.
1: Interesting.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, Stephanie, I want to give you the floor and allow you to give your best elevator speech and tell us all the different places we can connect with you and all the other things that I might have left out.
2: Sure. I want to really hit and really just make sure people understand that therapy is for everybody. There is a therapist out there that will match with you perfectly. If you're kinky, if you are into, oh man, you just name it. There's a therapist out there for you. So if you don't connect with, the, with one therapist, don't give up. Your mental health is important and your sexual health is important. For us, our sexual and mental health kind of mesh. And it's very important that we are all in this to help each other and build each other up. So that's the very first thing I want to start off with by saying is therapy's for everybody. And, you know, we have the coaching side, which is amazing as well. And like I said, it's just a a condensed version of the therapy. Some people get pushed over to therapy because we have to deal with the deep issues, but you need help navigating this. You can't jump in this and expect to be successful in it. This is a is a world that you've never heard of before. Some things are just too new for you, and that's okay. But don't be afraid to try new things. Absolutely, 100% off the top. Don't be afraid to try new things. You can reach us. Uh, we're Kinky Coach, coach with a K, kinkycoach.com. We have um, on all the social media platforms Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we have a website. That you can reach out to us directly. Man, we're on the dating w- websites. You name it, you can probably find us. ASN Magazine, ASN Lifestyle Magazine, we're in there. You can actually ask me questions if you want to become. If you want to ask a question anonymously, you can ask a question and I'll fr- uh, answer it, and it goes in the magazine, but it's all anonymous. So there's really no need for you to sit there wondering what if. You got. You have the resources. I mean, and if it's not me, it's somebody else. I have lots of people I can refer to refer you to if if we don't match but just know that you're not in this alone
1: and that's an amazing thing to be able to know stephanie it has been an absolute joy having you on the program i really enjoyed being on your show and i hope that being on mine was just as much fun
2: yes i do enjoy you and i hope that we can do this again
1: absolutely and remember pop rocks do not go in your vagina (laughs) (laughs) I think that falls under the category of things I haven't heard before for 200, Alex, if we were playing Kiki Jeopardy. And we've got two more shows coming up this week, starting on Wednesday with a rock and roll babe, Jamie Jett. And then on Friday, Kaska Akashova. Both mainstream stars and both putting us in a world we haven't talked about yet. Two great discussions, two great women coming up later this week. And next Tuesday, the one and only Rain de Grey. So looking forward to that one. I'm John, aka Hi There Catsuit, thanking you for being with us. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always.
0: What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. To support the show, visit patreon.com/slash What Women Want Podcast. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram. And for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.